We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the Eurostep Podcast Network. I am one of your hosts, Ty Windish. I am joined, as always, by the flustered with technology, Rohan Kadi. There was a lights mishap before we started, but now everything seems to be all good. Rohan, how's it going? You know, I'm doing much better now that my lights are seeming to work. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see uh, my background lights. Subscribe to the YouTube, by the way. Uh, just There were a couple of them that were just not agreeing with me, but this color, they all seem to work, but we're all good. We're ready to we're ready to do this. We are, and we've got a different kind of well, partially a different kind of episode today. We're going to kind of just run through a year, a look back at the year in review that 2021 was for the Bucks and for us here at the Eurostep and now GSPN. Uh, it's been a hell of a year. Some ups and downs, certainly, and a whole lot of different senses that we'll get into, but we're excited to do that. And then, of course, talk a little bit about the current state of the Bucks. I think the way our, the Eurostep, our podcast within GSPN is described is maybe the too granular look at the Bucks, too passionate for what we're actually talking about. So we're going to get into the Dante, Wes, Grayson trio and how that's playing out and some other stuff that's going on. But Rohan, excited to to look back at the year, especially because I don't know if people remember this. The Bucks won a championship. They did. They did win a championship indeed, but that's not what started the year off. I thought you were going to run through some plugs. I wasn't ready to go. Right oh, I, I can I can run through some plugs let's before go, we get into plugs. We got <laughs> before we get every, into this. everything. Yeah, we did earn this. Make sure you're subscribed on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure you leave a five-star rating on both Apple and Spotify. On Apple, you can leave a review as well. We'll read out a review at the end of this episode. Make sure you're subscribed to the Substack, gspn.substack.com. I already mentioned the YouTube. You're a step podcast network on YouTube. Follow all the Twitter accounts. I think that's that's all the plugs. I think that covers it. I I didn't say... 
we earned it. I said that the listeners have to earn the rest of the content by helping us out. Really does help. All of those things. Just it's all free. Not we don't have anything paid right now. So just throwing us a follow, a subscribe, a review, whatever it is. We really do appreciate it. Okay. Let's talk about 2021. The year started with the Bucks beating the Bulls by 30 on New Year's Day. Although similarly to their start to the 2021-22 season, more on that later, they were underachieving at 3 and 3 at that point. The first real low point of that year, or maybe just the lowest low point of that year, was in February as the Bucks lost back-to-back games to the Raptors. Rohan, we decided Chris Middleton didn't deserve an all-star nod for the season. That was tough. It, it was tough, but at the end of the day, that lessons were learned. And, you know, I think I don't really walk back that take. I don't think you do either. Um, no, it, was, but, it was accurate. Yeah. It was correct, and it was deserved. It was deserved, and that was just a culmination of the Bucks' regular season, and that was their worst regular season in the Mike Budenholz era. They finished third in the East after finishing first in the last two seasons. And they entered the playoffs in a matchup that a lot of people were really worried about the Bucs. They were like, are they going to be a first-round exit against the Miami Heat? Because if you recall, in the bubble the previous season, they lost to them in five games. But this team was up to the challenge. They did not tank to get out of that spot. And, you know, after a slog of a first 48 minutes, ending with a Chris Middleton game winner, which is fitting considering what we just talked about, Bryn Forbes and the Bucks just absolutely destroyed the Miami Heat and swept them back to fantasizing about the aforementioned bubble. The Bucks' most fearsome opponent, the only one who could ultimately push them to seven games in the playoffs, awaited in the Brooklyn Nets in the second round. The series started awful. Milwaukee's first win in Game 3 after starting 0-2 wasn't much better, at the time at least. It broke you, Rohan, one of the all-time meltdown pods and to be clear that that wasn't just you i think a lot of people were broken at that point uh there's tremendous content though it was absolutely you're learning for me now um at the time it seemed like why bother even winning obviously in retrospect thank goodness they pulled it out after Giannis had his worst game in the postseason in game two and caught hell on twitter for it and other places Giannis turned a corner in this series as a player as uh, his his whole trajectory changed, he took steps toward becoming the finals MVP version of himself that would obviously come in a couple series from then. Kevin Durant loomed large in a lot of ways all series, but could not overcome the combined might of the Bucks, including a legendary Giannis 40-piece in Game 7 on the road, plus Brooke Lopez just dominating on both ends that series. The Nets were done, and only the Hawks stood between the Bucks and the Finals. Like you just said, only the Hawks stood between the Bucks and the Finals, and that's because the Philadelphia 76ers managed to throw away their entire franchise <laughs> and lose a Game 7 on their own court. I, I love uh, that this is a Bucks year in review, and we found a way to slander the Sixers, who the Bucks for so- somehow did not meet in the playoffs. Odd the way that worked. Yeah, just really odd. Imagine if like a certain player just took a shot over Trey Young. Wild times. Maybe the last the last uh, uh, moment for that player as a Philadelphia 76er, we shall see. But it was the Hawks who indeed were facing the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. And like I mentioned, a lot of people were surprised to see them there. But uh, 
They should not have been underestimated as they were, as the Milwaukee Bucks lost game one at home to those Atlanta Hawks. And let me let me not forget that that is the one home game that Ty Windish attended <laughs> during the postseason for the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm going Only home game, loss. I'm going to a game in January, and I've been told by Las Vegas – I'm not allowed to disclose which one because it would swing betting markets too much for that game. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if they can not lose like they did against the Hawks. Yeah, we'll see if the Ty Windish curse is real or not. Or maybe it's only safe for the postseason. We shall see. But uh, <laughs> the Bucks did indeed bounce back. They took a 2-1 lead and uh, they were rolling. Uh, they were trying to make it 3-1. They were, they were down in that game four, but they were coming. They were trying to make a comeback and then just the world stopped for Bucks fans. Giannis's knee uh, looked like an elbow uh, for a sec there, just uh, bending the absolute wrong way as he went up for a rebound. And uh, yeah, that we we thought that was it. We did a post game pod. I believe it was you, me, and Jordan who did that one. And it just seemed like what what what's happening here. The Bucks ended up losing the game, but obviously the most important fact in our mind was is is Giannis going to play basketball in the next year or so we just assumed it was just a we just assumed the worst we did not think it was going to be some injury that he could come back from uh but uh we we ended up we ended up hearing news uh i believe two or three days later maybe two days later no i think it was the next day actually that he was doubtful we had our famous doubtful pod where we were just screaming doubtful back and forth <laughs> back and forth at each other we were just confused because it's like oh my god this guy this guy can he's actually might come back he's not going to be out for a year he might be playing the next game he ended up not playing the rest of that series but the bucks ended up winning that series chris middleton drew holiday and brook lopez took it home for them and uh it was just uh it seemed like it seemed like it was time for the Milwaukee Bucks to shine in that series. It really did. And I think what always will stick out to me was P.J. Tucker after the Game 4 loss, just refusing to accept that the Bucks would go down like that. And that's what happened. They didn't go down like that. Giannis ends up okay, which, you know, they didn't somehow, somehow – He's okay. Even more implausibly, the Bucks win two straight playoff games without Giannis Antetokounmpo. But Brooke Lopez, again, can't give enough shout-out to Brooke Lopez. Get well soon. The Bucks win games five and six. On the July 4th weekend, I was so sunburned watching game six. I was miserable. But I have no idea what that's like. I, trust me, it's not good. <laughs> But they booked their ticket to the NBA Finals the first time in nearly five decades. It has been, had been, I should say, a full, full five decades since they won. But Giannis or no Giannis, the Bucks found ways to get it done. And only one more team stood between them and that elusive championship. And that team was the Phoenix Suns after, uh, after beating the, uh, the Clippers in the conference finals. Uh, they managed to get to the NBA finals and, uh, it was, it was sort of a weird, uh, atmosphere before game one, obviously the bucks, like I mentioned, they didn't have a great regular season, so they did not have home court. It was a road game in Phoenix game one. And it's just like, is, is Giannis going to play? Is he going to play? There was a lot of noise about like, oh, he would have rejoined the team in the Atlanta series if they didn't think that, uh, the team had it under control, but they ended up winning without him. So he didn't need to come back. 
Uh, it was like, if that series went to a game seven, would Giannis have been there? I don't know. So it was a lot of stuff up in the air for Giannis's status in game one, but he did end up playing game one of those NBA finals. Uh, he started things off. He had like an insane chase down block that Jeff Van Gundy on the air called LeBron, LeBron-esque. And it's like, what what is what is going on right now? This man like just absolutely destroyed all ligaments in his knee like a week ago. Uh, but uh, that was that was one of the only highlights. He wasn't Giannis in his full form. He had 20 points, but which is still incredible given his status. But uh, the Bucks ended up losing that game. And uh, they ended up losing game two as well. Even though Giannis started to find his footing, he was absolutely unstoppable. He had 42 in game two. And it was just a lot of like, are the Bucs going to be able to figure this out? Devin Booker and Chris Paul were absolutely torching the Bucs in the pick and roll. They were uh, roasting Bucks bigs. What's going to happen? They were roasting the scheme, I should say. They were roasting the scheme, not the bigs. So it was all uh, all the noise turned to Mike Budenholzer and this team as they went back to Milwaukee. Uh, and what they were going to do. And they really took advantage of that homestand. They realized Ty Windish was not in the building, so they decided to win game three and four. And so it all came down realistically to game five. Game five, back in Phoenix, is when Milwaukee's finals run went from incredible to downright legendary and truly historic, even more than a typical finals run. The big three, Giannis, Chris, Drew, had rarely all played well simultaneously in the playoffs. It was almost a running joke, maybe a laugh through the tears kind of running joke. But all three of them went off in game five, combining for 88 points. And two of those 88 points punctuated one of the greatest plays in Bucks NBA history, honestly, as Drew Holiday wrestled the ball away from Devin Booker as he drove, brought it down the court, and instead of running down the court, waiting to get fouled, decided to an attempt to attempt an audacious lob to Giannis. As my favorite part of the play, Chris Middleton behind the both of them, just pointing upward, signaling for the oop. No one could see him, but Chris knew it too. Giannis finished what would become the true value oop and stared down the camera right after, letting everybody watching know what Bucks fans had figured out a long time ago. Giannis is that guy, pal. He definitely was that guy. And uh, game six really, really etched that into uh, the history books here. As back in Milwaukee, the Bucks were up 3-2 in the series after being down 2-0. They had won three in a row. It's back in Milwaukee. Bucks in six is just written in the stars. It wants to happen. But uh, it, it was a struggle. Phoenix was keeping it keeping it real close. Both teams just looked absolutely gassed. They couldn't make a shot to save their lives and either team would neither team could. But thankfully, Milwaukee, they they have a guy that doesn't need to really shoot to uh to uh, get his uh get his points, get his scoring load, make an impact on the game. And that is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like I mentioned, he was transcendent in his best NBA moment. Not 51, not 49, but 50. 50 points to absolutely will the Milwaukee Bucks to their first championship in over 50 years. The Bucks won in six with Brandon Jennings sitting courtside and just absolutely destroyed every single stupid narrative that hung over them from whatever fan base, whatever media outlet you want to say. It was all gone. Giannis put up 50 as the Bucks won a title. It was just 
absolute bliss. There was just so much perfect about the championship run. And I don't know if I'll ever get over it, quite honestly. But unfortunately, this being the NBA calendar in COVID times, there wasn't that much time for celebrating before more basketball stuff was happening. Chris and Drew boarded a jet to Tokyo right away after the victory parade, where you and I, Rohan, met for the first time, by the way, and recorded yes. a just giddy, not Josh giddy, but the emotion giddy podcast uh, in front of Pfizer. One of the cooler podcast moments of my life, for sure. Um, really, really, really fun stuff. But joining up with Devin Booker, who they had just vanquished in the Olympics, Chris didn't get to play that much on Team USA, but Drew ended up earning a starting spot and was one of the best two or three players on that Team USA as the Americans won gold and proved some of their detractors, myself included, wrong out in Tokyo. Yeah, that was that was the times when we were picking our Olympic teams and you all just absolutely roasted me for my team. Harrison <laughs> Barnes, my, baby. He's having a good year, though. Would, he is. He's having a good year. I think my take is uh, aging quite well, honestly. But uh, one decision that is not aging quite well is something that happened during the offseason, which was the next sort of stage for this Bucks team as uh, after the Olympics concluded. Uh, it was a lot of free agency. They managed to keep Bobby Portis. They signed Shemi Ojale, uh to, right after we concluded our live stream. Uh, and uh, they decided to not pay P.J. Tucker. And like I said, that decision has not aged well. Thus far as uh, they're learning that Shemi is not, uh, he's not PJ, to put it lightly. They also acquired Grayson Allen for just nothing, uh, realistically. Plus, they drafted Sandra Mamakalashvili and Yorgos Kalitsaikis in the draft. One of those players is still on the team. Uh, they added Rodney Hood, the aforementioned Shemi Ojale. George Hill came back, which is a nice moment. Uh, and that was, that was a lot of the mainstays of what happened in the early stages of free agency. Yeah, and it looked like, even though most of those players weren't playing game one, it looked like another John Horst masterclass. It looked like an everything masterclass as the Bucks destroyed the Nets on ring night, even with many of those new players sitting out, plus Bobby Portis and um, just felt like everyone was out for most of the season thus far. But because of that, the year quickly soured, at least the early part of the year from there. Brooke Lopez hurt his back in that first game and suffered a something and has not played since after eventually undergoing back surgery. At one point, the Bucks were 6-8. and eight. Basically, everyone has missed sometimes. Some of these games, the Bucks' rotation has been largely unrecognizable. Yeah, it's just been, uh, it's been a lot of guys coming in and out of the lineup, nothing consistently. And the problem is that a lot of the guys that they brought in haven't looked really rotation caliber. Uh, I mentioned uh, Yorgos is not on the team anymore because John Horst has been active. He realized that, uh, you know, we got to make some moves here. We got to get some more rotation guys in. So they bring in a guy like Wesley Matthews. They add DeMarcus Cousins. And especially Wes so far out of the two, though DeMarcus is starting to make a run, they look really, really good. And really good considering how low our expectations were for both of them. Uh, I know DeMarcus, he just came off the bench uh, after starting five games in a row. Wes Matthews has been hitting big three after big three and just uh, just shooting those arrows into the sky. And uh, it's just been 
it's been good so far. Everyone's sort of starting to come back. Everyone's turned a corner. Only Brooke Lopez is out now uh, for the team. He's the only guy in the injury report, which is great. We even got Dante back, uh, which has been nice to see so far. And the big three is just continuing to dominate games. They're just winning most of the games that they play together. Only two losses on the year compared to 16 wins, I believe. Uh, so those two, uh, those three, excuse me, are just, they're all that we know them to be as we have just chronicled throughout this entire run. And, uh, I'll know I'll, I'll knock on wood right now. I'll knock on my desk. Things look good. Things look good right now, Ty. It, it still feels hard to believe just through all that Bucks fans of really any amount of any length of time have been through. It does feel like just it's been an overall good year for the Bucks, but We've been here chronicling the highs and the lows through it all this year and longer than that, actually. But starting in May, it wasn't just us here on this feed, on this platform, as we merged with the Win in Six podcast to become the Eurostep Podcast Network. We've added YouTube, we've added Substack content, more Twitter accounts, playback watch parties, and we've grown our Discord server Really, just to make sure everybody can keep up with all the stuff we're doing here as we cover the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, it's just been an incredible year for us, just like the Bucks. There's so much, so many more of you tuning in now than there were at the start of the year. And uh, even though Milwaukee's uh, title run might be uh, a, a big reason why, we are, we are eternally grateful just in general, to have so many fantastic listeners. In fact, there are enough to uh, there are enough of you to fill up Pfizer a few times over, which is just absolutely incredible and really humbling. To, it's just, it, it blows my mind. It, I think it blows everyone's mind who makes content, but especially us here as we look over some of the year-end numbers. So really, I think the one thing left to say is thank you to you all, listeners, watchers, readers, everything else, for making 2021 so fantastic for us. And honestly, we look forward to an even better year for GSPN and somehow for the Bucks. It's going to be tough to top, but I think they can do it in 2022. I mean, I just feel like a, as a content creator who and a Bucks fan who really just wants to share in these moments, being able to share what we're thinking and, and honestly, probably mostly feeling for the two of us, but Thinking, too, the real analysis in there amidst the uh, the more raw, visceral, emotional stuff. Being able to share it with so many great, like-minded Bucks fans and not always like-minded. There's some great debates and everything as well. But it's just been really, really cool and really gratifying. And I can't think of a better way to watch Milwaukee win a championship than with the GSPN community that we're growing here. So... Whether you've been around since the Eurostep first started or you just joined, you know, around the championship, either way, we're thrilled to have you. And seriously, it means the world to us that all of you folks follow along. Yeah, it, it really does mean the world. Like you and I, Ty, we were talking before we started recording about uh, our first podcast episode that we did together. And uh, it was a game. It was the season opener against the Rockets back in uh, October of 2019. And I remember just one take from that podcast being like, why is Wes Matthews keep posting up? And then it's like, I see this game. I see the Christmas Day game. It's like, man, that Wes Matthews post up really helped the Bucks win the game. <laughs> and it's just, it's such, it, it's coming full circle. It's, it's starting to really grow. And that's why I, I just want to feel grateful. It's just, this is a wild concept to me. Like I mentioned 
I've been doing this uh, with you, Ty, since October of 2019. It's, it still doesn't really feel real. Like I'm someone who really does not take compliments well. I'm someone who does not like, I, I feel like I suffer from imposter syndrome when I'm doing this. It's sort of like, how how is this really possible? There's so many people listening to me just to absolutely, well, one, lose my mind over the <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks as documented after the game three win in the Brooklyn series. But just listen to me talk about basketball. Listen to us talk about basketball. It's it's wild. It's absolutely nothing I could have ever imagined something I would do with my life as I was sort of growing up and continue to grow up. Everyone keeps growing still. It's just it's it's really humbling. It's really humbling. And just wanted to say thank you, everyone, for a great year and to many years going forward. Cheers to that. And I could not ask for a better partner in crime to yell uh-huh. about the Milwaukee Bucks with than you, Rohan. So Same to you, Ty. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now that we got that stuff out of the way, let's get to what the people really want. Film breakdown of the Bucks nearly blowing a lead to the Orlando Magic with 10 players out on Tuesday night. No, we're not going to dive deep into that game because we are – we're not that crazy. But let's talk a little bit just about the team in general now as we do here on the Eurostep. Our last pod of 2021, as you probably figured out by the whole year in review thing we just did. Honestly, I like I'm just really encouraged. Despite two really bad halves in the last two games, the second half against Orlando and the first half against Boston, we're getting a look at a different Bucks team now with Dante and West coming off the bench, with Boogie still there, with the starters now getting more healthy outside of Brook, of course. And I think we're seeing like there's a good chance that some guys who have been in the rotation will get pushed out. Some already did based on Thursday's game against Orlando. But it's a good thing because there's just so much competition. We talked about it before the year. We were kind of wrong then. A lot of the players we were excited about haven't worked out. 
But because of the midseason additions, one of which kind of just being Dante, this team is like feels ludicrously deep right now compared to Bucks teams in the past and just the other teams around the league that you're sizing up against. Can you look up and down this roster and name me two players that are absolute complete liabilities? On the roster, yes, but who will actually play games? No. No, I'm t- on the roster. Who on the roster? I, I can guess the two names you're going to say. If, but guessing. are they com- are they complete liabilities, though? Kind of. I'm guessing we're not talking two ways because that's kind of cheating. But probably the two I would say is Thanasis and, and Shemi in no order. Yeah. And they have upside. That's the thing. Exactly. That's the thing I'm trying to say. Yeah. They're not yeah, yeah. complete, complete liabilities on either end of the court, which just speaks to what you were just saying about this roster and the roster construction. There's so much depth to this, which is why we're going to get into who's really going to be in the rotation. Like who, how do you really make this run if you're the coaching staff? Also, did you, did you see Josh Oppenheimer's halftime interview? I, I think I had the game muted at that point. So I, I didn't hear what he said. I saw I, him. I don't I don't remember ever hearing him in a post-game interview or a post-halftime interview before. Guy sounds insane. Guy sounds absolutely <laughs> insane. Like he he talks with such a force where it's like, do you do you talk normally? Like <laughs> it's just it was a it was a weird experience. But the Bucks coaching staff, Bud and this coaching staff really have a lot to get into. So let's really let's let's start by talking about who should really uh Who's come in and how they're coming in and doing it really well? And the one, uh, let's start with Wes Matthews. Let's start with him. He's the guy we got to talk to. I'll talk about in that we year in review we too. just did. Wes, if you're listening, we need to talk to you. Yes, yeah, so we do need to talk to you. We do need to talk to you, Wes. Please come on the pod. But it's just, it's insane what's what kind of production he's been having. He closed the Christmas Day game and hit essentially the game winner on Christmas Day. For this Bucks team, after he was sitting on his couch for like five months, like I, I don't understand how this happens. Like, is any other team like? Obviously, another team would have picked him up with a hardship exception by now. But how does this sort of happen? And how does really Wes Matthews sort of keep doing this? He's still a great defender after all these years in the league. He can still hit his threes. It's just he, he feels timeless. He does. And I think there's a little bit of the George Hill corollary happening here. I think he's going to look extra good because the Bucks just don't need him to do as much. The last, it's the same with George, really. The last time we saw Wes, Wes was actually a starter. George was essentially a starter because you just clearly could not rely on Eric Bledsoe, who's having a, a nice couple last weeks on the Clippers, whatever. They he had 10 steals in a game, didn't he? I'm sure he did. It is, Maybe not uh, 10 steals, but he had a decent watch. number of steals. It is December, so that, that would check out. I don't even mean to take shots. He, he wasn't getting the job done in Milwaukee, clearly. That's all I'll say. I'll move on. But George and West now are like battling to be the eighth man? Maybe? Maybe higher now that Brooke – if Brooke comes back. And actually, I want to touch on this before we go on. Have you heard the latest from Zach Lowe, who's the only one reporting on Brooke Lopez? Outside of Shams, who is just like – Entirely wrong. Although Brandon Brook was wrong, I guess. But did you hear what Zach Lowe said? Though, uh, yeah, he said uh, he said 
people with the Bucks are maybe have hope that he's coming back well before the end of the regular season? I think it's still I think he's still putting it as cautious optimism, but that is really exciting. And now I'm kowtowing to Adam McGee. I, I would still do the Kenny Hustle trade, like trading Shemi and Wara or whatever. I don't really care about that. But I'm not trading Brooke. I'm not doing any major moves because this team is like – they're just so good and they're so set in stone. I think they could still use another big wing defender. I think Wes is going to do some of that though. Like if Brooke comes back and can look nearly himself by playoffs, this rotation is just insane. Like it's absolutely nuts. Like all of a sudden you're at a place where – your break glass in case of injury guys who last time were, I don't even know. I mean, Jeff Teague was always in the rotation. It was like the Nasus and I can't even remember. I feel like I'm blacking out. on Who was on the team? Brent Forbes. <laughs> yeah. Like they just like, it was bad. They're 11th and 12th. Guys. Oh, what's the, what's the guy's name? Uh, what's his name? Axel guy who Tupan played. Yeah. Axel Tupan, uh, the the other guy, the Jordan Israeli correspondent. What's oh, his name? oh, uh, Elijah Bryant. Yeah, Elijah Bryant. Elijah Bryant. Yeah, the Bucks, eleventh and twelfth guys. If Brooke gets back and they don't make any moves, Demarcus Cousins and Rodney Hood, who both have been like good this year. Like, Big Rod. Rod's coming around. He well, hasn't always been good, but as your twelfth guy, that's ridiculous. Like. Any other Bucks team, I think he's pretty obviously slotting into the top 10 somewhere. Right now, he'd be 12th. So you're talking about an injury that really puts you back and you're without a guy. Like when you get to the when you get to the nitty-gritty of series, when you're playing like seven, eight guys, like you're not even worrying about those guys then. Like that's how deep they are. But what's and the important thing? Yeah. Go the important thing is is just the position that they've really stacked up on. Is is no position realistically? Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of tweener forward wings who can play guard, and it's just like if someone someone gets injured, one of these guys can fill this spot. You want you want Wes Matthews to go out there and play the two guard for you? Yeah, sure. He was starting last year for this team at the two. You want him to go out there and be a four? Yeah, he'll do that. Why not? Yeah. Same could be said about Rodney Hood. Same could be said about Jordan Wara. Same could be said about Pat Connison. Same could be said about Thanasis. He could play one through five, actually. He might be the most positionally versatile guy out of there. It's Probably. just it, – there's so much just absolute depth at every position. But, yeah, go on about West Memphis. Well, and, and just to finish that, even Chevy, who's been a disaster, if you need like eight minutes of just someone big being guarded, he's done that this year. Like that as maybe your worst player. He will guard a player, yes. It's something. <laughs> Do you trust him more than Axel Tupan? No disrespect. <laughs> But come on, like they're better. But anyway. I don't know his his inbounds defense was elite. That is that is <laughs> that that playoff run was so just out of this world high on something. I don't know what uh, Cream City bricks crushed up. I don't know. But Wes Wes is timeless. I think that's a word I've used a couple times too, because it just looks like the same old Wes, except he's been even better offensively. Probably not going to hold that he's shooting 51% from the field and 45% from three thus far. But just defensively and fit-wise, he's in all the right spots. This whole team really, like, outside of Shemi, who's no longer playing, he just doesn't play anymore. Like, all the guys right now in these last two games, there's just kind of a flow. And honestly, even more so in the heavy bench lineups. And especially when, like, the Giannis at the five group, 
that ended the Celtics game, which I believe was Drew, Chris, Giannis, Dante, West. I think you're seeing the future of the Bucks with some of these lineups. So just like we have a bunch of wings who can size up or down. We'll switch whatever we need to switch. We probably won't switch Giannis, but if we have to because it's a great shooter, we will. And we'll just be okay. Like we have size and strength all over. You still have Pat to slide in. You still have Bobby to slide in. George Hill. They just have so many options. I think Wes, I'm a little leery of the shooting. I don't know if that's going to hold. But that's okay. Like he's still going to be an immensely useful player who provides some gravity, provides some defense. He's in all the right spots. And maybe he wants to just go bananas this year. That works for me. That works for me. If you want to shoot 45% this year, as long as you keep it through the playoffs, that's fine. That sounds like a reason I mean, to me. <laughs> the Bucks had two guys shoot above 45 last year and Bobby and Bryn. That's so why true. not? Why not? Why I not? mean, right now... Like it's a funny looking at the Bucks three point shooting, because Chris is like bottom half, and George Hill has had a slow start too. Chris is like thirty six percent. George Hill is like thirty one percent. I couldn't care less. I'm not worried at all. Dante's a little lower now as well, and obviously Giannis. It's also a two game sample. Yeah, it's a two game sample for for Dante, and we should talk about him in a second. And Giannis always always at twenty seven percent, but when he makes something fun, but you look at Bobby's keeping it up. 43%. West, as I mentioned, Pat, 40%. Grayson, 40%. Drew Holiday, 36%. Not bad. Not bad. He was higher in the regular season, lower in the postseason. Brooks at 50% on four attempts, but there's just a lot of guys you can trust to knock down shots right now. There really is. And uh, just one more uh, one more point about like the switchability of the lineup that you mentioned in the Christmas Day game. Like, that lineup didn't even have Pat Connaughton in it. Pat Connaughton, I know we said we're not going to discuss game film about the Orlando Magic. Pat Connaughton absolutely had Wendell Carter Jr. in jail. Yo, in jail. Honestly, like defended him successfully on multiple possessions. Made a layup at like 100 miles an hour. Did you see the layup he made? Like, yeah. Th- no off way. Of, off an insane Chris Dine. No way is Pat making that in last year's. Like he is seriously – I think he – should slot into some closing groups. Like he's really do the do the Bucks have the most bench guys who could be closers in the league? I they almost have to, right? Like I mean, because like most of their bench guys could be closers. Look around the league. Like how many guys are bringing George Hill, Dante DiVincenzo, Wes Matthews, and Pat Cotton off the bench? Three, and that sounds that would sound hilarious like two years ago. But right now, I mean, these guys all look electric. Like they're would they're all of those guys be starters on other teams? Maybe not George. May, probably not George would be the one. I think the other three you could probably find a team. They West Dante and Pat. Honestly, absolutely. would all four of them start on the Lakers tomorrow? Yes. Like as a the, a guard to pair with Russ. Like maybe even George. They might. Maybe not George. That's the one who maybe wouldn't, but he there's honestly a case to be made. And that's honestly it's just because he's old. Yeah. Like But I mean the same argument can be made about Wes Matthews and he could still start. I, I think the Lakers have to be kicking themselves right now that they let Wes go. Wes is way better than the old guys they have. They're still thirsting for Trevor Ariza to get back. Trevor Ariza! Wes Matthews is so much better than Trevor Ariza right now in the year of our Lord, Giannis 2021, soon to be 2022. It's not even close. Like, 
some of the young guys' development has been interesting here, especially Dante, who let's just talk about Dante. The shooting has not even been good. I keep looking at the numbers and thinking they're going to be higher. I've just loved what I've seen. Like, I'm back Same. in love with Dante DiVincenzo and completely walking back my he's gone because they signed Grace and Take. Like, I am no longer there. I am no longer even close to there. It's taken two rusty games, but you can see, like, his burst is still there. He got it back. And he Which is awesome. an absolute marvel, by the way. This guy has been played with foot and just lower extremity injuries like his entire life, and he still looks this bouncy. It's just absolutely insane. It is. And I think even if the shooting is going to continue to be touch and go, which not really fair to judge him on his first two games back in seven months, just the impact, the rebounds, the loose balls, the defense. Like I I know the whole thing with Grayson was like they've never really had that offensive spark plug they can really unlock stuff with the starting five. I don't know if it's just Grayson or what, but we haven't really seen that so far. Like when the big three have been healthy, have been Grayson's worst games. Like he's not finding enough shots to be effective. And as hard as he tries defensively, he's not making a difference on that end. Meanwhile, you plug in Dante. Like I just feel like literally, so Grayson's first make against Orlando was a three in the third quarter. I think it was his only make. The whole game. He didn't have one. So he was 0 for 2 through two and a half quarters with two assists. And that was it. Like just nothing stood out except for that 1-3. Dante DiVincenzo, it feels like every every minute he's on the floor, he's doing something where I'm like, oh, that really helped the team. Whatever he did, that, that was very beneficial. That was a big play. And he's still gambling and missing and costing sometimes. But the big play opportunity is there. And what they just look, do. look at the Christmas Day game. Yeah. Look, like the combined steal with him and uh, Drew Holiday to pluck Jason Tatum's pocket late in that game as they were trying to take a lead. It's that those are the type of impact plays that we're talking about right now. They are destroying teams in his minutes. They look like an entirely different team. Their average right now through the two games is plus 16.5 with Dante on. Like they're obliterating teams when Dante DiVincenzo plays I feel like the energy is just like infectious it's going to the whole group like when he's out there I feel like everyone is diving and getting loose balls and diving out of bounds to save one sort of fast break it's like, the it's the Pat Beverly effect it is it's a kind of like it's like a supercharged version of the Pat Condon effect and I think those two together like that's such a bench tandem of just sheer athleticism and just Stuff happening. I know I've talked about this before on the pod, but the one thing I don't like about bench players is when, or just in general, like a guy can be quietly efficient, but just not do anything for a long time. And I just think there's a limit to how useful you can be. Even if you shoot a high percentage, there's just a limit. It's like the the reason the Rockets weren't as good in the playoffs is because they had all these guys who not due to any fault of their own, but they just really couldn't do anything except stand and wait for James Harden. The Bucs are like the opposite at their best. They're entirely free-flowing, kinetic energy. The ball is zipping all over. I've seen some of the wildest passes. And I think you look at a big reason why is the off-ball motion of Dante and Pat and Bobby and Wes and George Hill, the ultimate connective tissue. Like everything is zinging 
And that's how they need to play. That's what they need to lead into. I know they're going to ISO with the big three to end some games. But their worst runs of the season so far have been when they just like, okay, we're going to post up Giannis six possessions in a row with no passes. Giannis is great. Get Giannis moving. Get all these guys moving. And then they're like, there's no stopping the Bucks. It's what people are just absolutely obsessed with with the Warriors often. Yeah. Like – if that's something, I feel like the Bucks are trying to sort of bridge the gap between just, I don't know, kind of between the Spurs and Warriors, realistically. Honestly, in terms of style, the way they run their franchises, and also in terms of play style, they want to play a beautiful game, uh, which is the Spurs aspect of it. But they also just want to have like full all-time read and react, which is the Warriors offense. And which, uh, given a lot of the Warriors' current successes from the old Spurs days, but just sort of that that gap between electricity and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, electricity and something else. What's something that's con- yes, that's that's it's perfect. Like a, I wish I would have like thought a of that. Tesla mixed with like a 2006 Toyota. There we go. But not a Prius, like a, a Corolla, a non-hybrid Corolla. To be specific. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, that that works. It's like it, it's a flashy versus just reliable. No, that's a great way to put it. And the Bucks are sort of they're hanging in that middle ground, which is you know it can be dangerous at times to hang in the middle because you're not on either side. But I feel like the Bucks are sort of treading that line fairly well so far, and they have been for the past couple of years, honestly. I think, ironically enough, given all the myriad, some accurate criticisms of Mike Budenholzer before the championship, the theme of the team now is versatility, being able to do either of those, being able to do all sorts of stuff offensively, being it running more defenses than ever. I mean, this is something where if this was last year, we would be doing a pod every week, freaking out that they just they just do zone now and they're starting to figure out how to do it well. They switch more. They trap way more. They double. They scram switch. They play some drop, not much without Brooke Lopez, but some with Giannis primarily. Like, they do everything on defense. Like, this would have been a huge buck story. Now this year it's not because I think they already proved they can be more versatile. But they're going to have more options than they had last year, which is even better. Like, this, like I, I just have so many Bucks reasons to be excited right now. It almost like I, it, I, I could forgive someone if they thought I was just being like a patsy for the team, but it's just like all the signs are just so positive. Like uh, the things that don't work out are being shoved to the corner, number thirty-seven, and everything else is working out and looking promising for the future. I love the versatility, and that's I think even the case. So we joked, maybe not joked. In DM at one point is uh, can we bring back the is Wes Matthews a starter debate because he he's been making the case now Dante comes back Dante is now real ones remember that real Real ones ones remember remember that that. for sure but real ones also may have joined later and missed it we we had a lot of debates Wes versus Dante um, during that season and it was someone else too Forbes was involved that was the year after we've debated the two guard spot for a long I think maybe George Hill. Maybe George Hill as well. Not Pat at yeah. that point in time. That's for sure. No, 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 no. Um, I think it was between Wes, Dante, and George Hill. We're like, oh, should we get a second ball handler on the floor so Eric Bledsoe doesn't have to do all that? 
It's a valid idea, honestly. But we talked about that a little bit. Like, there's so many guys you could start as the fourth or fifth starter right now. I mean, there's the Bobby versus Boogie thing, which I think is kind of settled. I think it's going to be Bobby as long as he's healthy, which is good. I think Boogie is a good bench big. I think that's what he does. But honestly, like, and Grayson's been shaky, as we mentioned, as I mentioned, but I think what's going to matter more than who starts, and this is what you said when I asked you about Wes, is who closes. And I don't think that's going to be the same for every team. Like, I think stylistically, they're just going to be adaptable. Like, you're going to have Drew Chris Giannis, of course. Even when Brooke is back, after that, like, you could tell me there are 10 different Bucks closing lineups, depending on the matchup. And I would not be shocked. Like, they have so many useful players that they can trust that Bud has trusted. Like, again, Wes Matthews closed a game like a week or two after being signed on Christmas against Boston. Like, they just have options. And I think that's that's the story of this team. They're versatile. They can do all sorts of things well. And that's what makes them extra dangerous. It is what makes them extra dangerous. Do you want to know something fun? Uh, uh, here's, a, here's a fun thought experiment. I don't want to like just rain on anyone's parade right now or uh, rain on the high we've just been on about this team. But isn't something we talked about last year about how they went from guys who can, we were making the joke about John Horst saying, oh, guys who can shoot dribble pass, going away from that and getting some specialists in there in like Bryn Forbes, PJ Tucker, those sort of guys, Bobby Portis, sort of shifting back to shoot dribble pass guys. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's largely what worked. It is what worked, but I think the important distinction to make, what I'm trying to say, I'm trying to I'm trying to draw the line between those two schools of thought yeah. in the sense that that didn't work previously is because the Bucks weren't really adapting their schemes at all. Now, they can go with a bunch of shoot dribble pass guys because they will adapt their scheme. So it's a bunch of guys who have, sure, they're specialists at different things, but they can all do a lot of different things. Yeah, they're and better. And so, yeah, they're, <laughs> well, yeah, one, they're, I mean, they're better. They didn't really have that many guys who could do all three of those things prior to I last mean, like, year. No th- I mean, think about that. It, it's it's this, a lot of the same guys. It's Dante, it's George Hill, it's Wes Matthews, it's Pat Connaughton. Sure. Those are the those are the same players. Pat's like a whole different player. Now. Okay, I I I'm trying to say they got better, but I'm yeah. also trying to say that scheme plays a lot in It does. It's scheme and just overall talent. Like also the last time that it was Wes and Dante and Pat all together and and Hill was pre-Drew Holiday. And I think it really goes to show the difference that sliding guys down on that like I always say totem pole for some reason, but like the totem pole of of role on the team of, of spot matters so much. Like pyramid, when, how about that? Pyramid works, yeah. I think pyramid probably even better because some guys are on the same level. So it's like Giannis is up here doing Illuminati, and then you get Chris and Drew, and then like Brooke is kind of like one big block, and then you have like Bobby and Pat, and you can quibble about who's who. But, like, earlier it was, like, Chris, uh, Giannis, Chris, and then Brooke kind of the same-ish, especially in the playoffs. Chris, not the greatest consistent playoff performer before, like, last year in kind of the bubble. And then it was, like, okay, George Hill, you're number four. Wes Matthews, you're number five. Dante, you're number six. Those guys all just push back now. I think they're all better individually. 
maybe not Hill. Wes looks better than he's ever looked, or than he's looked for a long time. Not ever, but for a long time for sure. But I think adding Drew makes such a difference. And like you said, the scheme, not being only drop, having much more cohesive offense to run, figuring this stuff out over all the years and all the heartbreak. It's just culminating. It's all coming together. And the result is like special. And it's it's interesting you say it's all coming together because they already won a title, (laughs) you know, like. That's that's something that I talked about. I don't know if it was on this podcast or another podcast or uh, probably both uh, in the sense like the Milwaukee Bucks are now trying to determine where they stand in history. Are they a bad boys, not a bad boys, but an 04 Pistons sort of team? Or are they a Spurs? Are they a Warriors? Are they a Heat? Are they a Dynasty? That's the, that's really what they're asking themselves right now, and that's what's going to be determined in the next couple of years. Are they a one-off? Are they a Mavs? Are they a 2011 Mavs where it's like Dirk gets his one ring, and it's like, yeah, that's awesome. Good job. I'm glad Dirk got one. Or is it, you know, Steph Curry? Just title after title after MVP after MVP and just keeps on going and going, and they're still contenders now. Which path are the Milwaukee Bucks going to take? Based on this play so far, I know this is a bold take. Leaning towards the latter. Yeah, leaning toward Giannis being Michael Jordan. Honestly, like one is earlier than Jordan did his first one. Um, a long way to go, of course. But I think it's encouraging. Like there's no evidence of the Bucks doing what the 08 Celtics did. The real true example of a one-time champ and just milking it immediately. Like do they even talk about it? When's the last time we got a quote about the championship, right? Like they're so focused on this season, this upcoming playoffs, getting better. And you can see like no part of them is resting on their laurels. They went out and got a new starter via trade. They've elevated Bobby Portis' role. They're doing new things schematically on both ends of the floor. They're figuring out lineups. Like there's no complacency here. And I think it starts with Giannis as everything in the Bucks does. We know how Giannis is. Giannis is not happy. With one, he's I'm sure happy to have won. He's not done, and no part of Giannis is done. And the rest of the team goes from there. Chris wants more, but right after they won, said they had to go get another one. Like um, John Horace, same deal. Like we know what they want to do, and talking is one thing, but I think we're seeing the signs that you'd want to see from a team that just won. Like no part of them seems satisfied. No part of them is like, oh, got that off our backs. We're good now. It's all about like the next challenge. And I think that's what you need to be that dynastic kind of team. It's just like you mentioned, starts and ends with Giannis. A given a lot of this is going to be like, is Giannis can play for the Bucks for the entirety of his careers? Yada, yada, yada. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. You know, just signed a Supermax like a year ago. It's also like, how do you, how do you build your team? How do you keep doing this? I mentioned the 2011 Mavs. After they won that title, that team got destroyed. Absolutely gutted. Bucks aren't doing that. You mentioned they're not complacent. They're adding new guys constantly. Even throughout the season, we've seen even before they needed to have like hardship exceptions and stuff. Also, what happened to DeLorean? Just a random thought. Is he still on the team? No, they're out of protocol. So he has to be gone. It says he's inactive on the official box score. I think he has to be gone. 
Maybe I don't think it's 10 days for the 10 days. Wild. Okay. I thought, I thought that you had to like the spots not there. They have everyone out of protocols for now. There was a player for the magic who got pulled mid game for protocols, but unfortunately the bucks have mostly already been through it. So not that many guys left to go in, although there are clearly some, uh, hopefully that doesn't happen obviously, but I think the spot would go away, but I'm honestly not sure if that's like an oversight on the scorecard or if he gets to hang out for the next four days and never play or whatever. Uh, yeah, but whatever. I don't know how I got onto that. But they just keep adding guys. They keep just keep on improving this roster, and they're probably not done. We talked about trade targets on a previous podcast. They're probably not done yet. They're probably going to add a few more guys, change change things around at least a little bit, a little bit before the playoffs roll around because we have a long ways to go until then. But this team is good. Just to, just to sum, sum this up, this team is really good. I agree. Also, one more last b-ball question because we just got sidetracked about our Bucks excitement. Are you worried about Grayson Allen? Yes. Me too. I don't love it. It's been, it was a hot start. It really was a great start to the season. But as guys got healthier, it's just, it's just not there. I think my supercharged Tony Snell comp was spot on, honestly, because he's doing a Tony Snell recently. When everyone's healthy, he can't find his spots. He can't get what he needs to. And honestly, maybe I'm not too worried. Because he hasn't had to have such a big role. And we know we know through previous games that when he has to, he is more than capable of stepping up. Right now, he doesn't have to. You mentioned that he's not finding his shots. I mean, th- those shots are being taken by Bobby Portis, by Chris Middleton, by Drew Holiday, by Giannis. Like, that, that's what should happen. Like, I don't think we want Grayson Allen to take, be taking away shots from those guys. So... Maybe I'm not worried, actually. I I think he should be doing more than he's been doing lately. Like, three points is not good enough for a starter. And I get he plays with a lot of high-usage players. He doesn't always play with the other four starters. Like, if there's a rotation. He's in and out. He's just not doing enough. And I think you look at a guy like Dante. Dante got more shots up than Grayson in this game. He played, like, half the minutes. Like... There's more there than he's taking right now. And I'm not too worried because, like, A, yeah, they can win if Grayson Allen doesn't take a lot of shots. It's just, I mean, they signed him to an eight-figure extension. You would like him to score a little bit more when the good players are healthy, which should be what you expect to see in most games as we go forward here. But, B, I I do think it's still kind of just a fit thing and him figuring out how to fit with those guys it's fit in, not fit out. Well, yeah, fit in, not sit out is what is he's his version of it because he is going to end up sitting out at least in the starting lineup if he's just not doing anything. But I do think like it's the Wara problem of Jordan Wara looks so much better when he plays with the other G League guys because he gets to take 20 shots a game and he knows how to do that. But I think Grayson has more time spent as an auxiliary player, I think he'll figure it out. I'm not that worried yet, but I do think he's going to start feeling some pressure soon. If Dante can start knocking down his shots, if Wes continues to play well, I don't think that starting spot or a a big rotation spot are guaranteed. 
He's kind of already lost closing games. Like that's not happening anymore. We know Bud. Bud loves defense. Like the way Grayson has has played offensively, he's just not closing games right now. We'll see if the starting spot changes. I think it's possible. I think he's got to start figuring out faster how to fit in. Because we've seen he has some juice handling the ball. He obviously can knock down shots from the corner. Some of it, the team needs to find him more. I think some of it is on him just needing to do more when he does get the ball as well. Yeah, I've noticed a couple of times where it's just like he gets caught in sort of the flow of the offense sometimes where it's like, oh, pass, pass, ping, ping. And he's just like, okay, he's just going with the motions. He's not doing anything trying to attack. He's not trying to take advantage of missteps by the defense. He's just like going on to the next pass. If it's like if he gets the ball on the wing after a quick pass, he's going to shoot it right to the next guy. It's like, okay, if your defender's a little off balance, attack that. We know you can attack that. And we know that you actually can hit your floaters and hit your layups. Do something. Operate out of the short uh, short roll on occasion. Do what you need to do. Like, go set screens. I don't know if that's a schematic thing. I don't know if that's a Grayson thing. Maybe it's a combination of both. Maybe it's a combination of both in the sense that Grayson, he needs to not be as complacent, but also Bud needs to get him more involved in these sort of actions. Because we've talked at length about, like you mentioned earlier, a lot of the times it's just like, okay, Giannis, go post up. Chris, go size your guy up. Drew, just bully anyone on the court. Just go do go do that, big three. You guys are you guys are awesome. Go do that. But it's also like, can we can we get Grace and Allen coming off some pin downs at times? Can we get like can we get inverted pick and rolls with Giannis and Grayson, like we did with Kyle Corver and Bryn Forbes? Can we get those sort of actions involved? I, it's it's going to be a learning experience. Like we've mentioned, this team is just getting healthy. This is a problem that is just starting to arise because they finally have their full team. <laughs> so as they sort of keep going and getting more minutes with all of their guys, then they'll sort of start to make those, those moves, those sort of like, okay, we need to get this guy going because he's not feeling it that much. Okay, now that Grayson's fine, okay, maybe Dante's taking a little bit of a step back. Let's get him him some action. Getting back to that sort of rotation of who's hot is playing games that we saw in like the 18-19 season where it's like Pat Connison's not playing a lot because he's not shooting well. Oh, Pat's shooting well? You're right back into the rotation, Pat. Sorry, whoever it was. I don't remember anymore. Was out of the rotation. Maybe, no, it was pre-Wes. Oh, yeah. Bud's first year. Who was that? Tony Snell, right? Was he still on the team? Yeah, I think that's when they stopped playing Tony Snell. Or maybe not. Oh, yeah. I don't maybe. know. Maybe. It's no, been too long. I do think, like, I see the run more offense for him, and I get it. But you said it earlier. Like, you're not going to run that much offense for Pat – or for, excuse me, for Grayson with the starters. I think a play or two would be good and maybe could get him moving. But I think some of it is he needs to figure out how to move off ball – to put it as Bud did, randomly more. I mean, you look at like when Pat or Dante or even Bobby gets hot, how many of those touches are either them grabbing their own, like finding an offensive rebound and doing something with it, or relocation, like constantly relocating and finding the right spots. And that's why I think maybe it's just not playing with the big three very much and still getting used to how to move around those guys. But I think like Grayson should be doing – and maybe he is and I'm missing it. But I think he's not fitting as seamlessly there. 
And that's a bit that's like the big tenant of the Bucks offense most of the time. Like they're gonna run some plays, but a lot of it is like relocation, off ball screens, like orbiting around Giannis. And I just don't think he's getting to the right spots to draw more looks. He's gonna have to work on that. And the Bucks are gonna have to work. It's a two-way street. It's always a two-way street. But I'm not I'm not shaking in my boots yet. But I obviously am not happy with the way he's played the last couple weeks, however long it's been. You're not uh, you're not uh, shaking in your boots. You're quivering in your Jordans. Yeah, I'm tiptoeing in my Jordans. There's an old that just aged myself. I think. Y- yes, because I have no idea what like you twenty. It's like 2016. It's not old, old, but it's old. It's what? It's, where is that from? It's a song. It's not just. Just it's not worth going into here. Okay, just I'll figure it out later. I guess that's fine. Uh, I usually I usually learn things, Ty. Come on, you're not teaching me anything. Uh, I don't remember enough. Ah, uh, see that there it is. There it is. He doesn't even know his own reference. <laughs> so before Post Malone, there was like, uh, like a really greasy version, which I know, like greasier than Post Malone. Yes. Named Riff Raff. And he had a song called Tiptoeing in My Jordans. But it's spelled Tiptoe Wing in my J-A-W-W-D-I-N-Z. And this was a very big thing. It's actually 2014. So I really aged myself by saying 2016 or whatever I said. That was nearly eight years ago. Yeah, thanks. I was 19 and it was a big deal. I was undisclosed. I was 18, 19. Yeah. Undisclosed. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that young. Everyone. Uh, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't say it this time. I know. I'm, I'm catching myself here. But uh, but yeah, not not too worried. Not too worried about Grayson yet. It's sort of like a wait and see sort of thing. Are we... Here's a, here's a, here's a reference. Are we taking the reading materials? No. But... It's not that I'm out. Oh, do the reading materials exist? The reading materials right now say Dante or West should maybe be starting. I'm taking those. I'm not taking the Grayson is bad read. I'm shutting those. Those well, those go those ahead, not. Th- those go those hand exist. in hand. No, they don't. Though. Those go. He well, can be I worse mean, than you, another player without being bad. But here's the thing. We know Bud in terms of like his starting style. He does not change his starting lineup. He has at this all. year. Well, he's had to. This well, year. I mean, Boogie started Bobby's first game or two back. Well, yeah, because he was just coming back. So was Giannis. He started. I don't know. That feels a little different. It, a little, but you're not starting Jordan Ward to bring Giannis off the bench. I'm sorry, Jason Kidd would. <laughs> oh God! Got the name has there. been uttered. The name has been uttered. Um, but but yeah, like you're the thing is, Grayson. Though, you're, you're not saying do I think uh, uh, the reading materials are should not will. I think the answer to both is maybe. But I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying. Those. I'm taking those. Reading I'm just. Materials. I'm just saying that Bud is not going to make a change in his starting lineup unless. Grayson Allen starts to show decline. Well, we're there. Well, a, a continued trend of yeah, decline. Yeah. And the other guys continue to play well. Yes. But those go hand in hand is what I'm saying. You can't have 
Wes and Dante should start without having Grayson is slipping. Yeah. Yeah, to some extent. But again, it's not it's not that I'm out on Grayson. It's just that he hasn't the, the team hasn't been as good with him as they have with Dante. Yeah, I know, but we could have we could have made the same argument last year for certain stretches when it's like I know I know like in the playoffs, for instance, like Pat Connaughton was better than PJ Tucker for stretches. It's like should we should we start him? Yeah. It's like, should we start him over PJ? It's like, no, they're not going to just start guys because they're playing better than starters. Is I what think I'm it's a little different now as opposed to during the NBA Finals, though. I know, but this is like this is something we've seen with Bud throughout his entire tenure in Milwaukee. Yeah, but Bud's not coaching the same way he coached his entire tenure with Milwaukee. I know, but he's not changing everything about himself. No, but I, I, I mean, Dante that was also his guy. That trend has stayed constant. Dante was also his guy. And we know Bud loves defense. I don't think True. it's out of the realm of probability that – I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I'm just saying the only it's, – it's a high likelihood that a change will come only if Grayson Allen is slipping. Yeah, I, just, I think he's already slipped. But I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Even more. Or continue yes. to be like this. A continued trend. Yeah, so he needs – essentially it all boils down to – Grayson needs to figure some stuff out. He, if he maintains like normal Grayson, he's not losing that spot. Normal first half of the year, Grayson. Yes, because the last like twenty games have not been good. Yeah, been but while. if he get if he can regain that level, he is absolutely not losing his spot, no matter how well Wes and Dante are playing. I agree. I will stand by. No, I agree with that. Like I, you could argue like Wes and Dante could be better than him, even if it's just what we saw from Grayson Allen earlier, and that's fine. I'll concede that, but I still think that Grayson will hold on to that starting spot. Closing is an entirely different discussion. We just talked about that. There's a whole myriad of possibilities of who can be closing games, and we're seeing right now that it's probably matchup dependent. But starting, I think Grayson. It's Grayson's to lose. I agree. Here is here's the numbers. Just so I super late, but. October Grayson, 13.7 points, uh, 4.4 rebounds, 1.4 assists on 40 from the field, 37% from three. And this is only seven games. It's October. November, peak Grayson, 14 games, 13.9 points per game, uh, three and a half rebounds. Again, 1.4 assists in a little less minute, like slightly less than one less minute per game. Shoots 47% from the field, 45% from deep, also 90% from free throw. In 11 December games, I don't think this includes this last game, which is not helping. 9.8 points per game, 2.9 rebounds, 0.9 assists, so all three numbers lower. Despite playing slightly more than he played per game in November, shooting 37.9% from the field, 35% from three. Again, these numbers are actually a little lower then they're going to be – this is B-ball ref, so I don't have the Tuesday Orlando game, but most of them dropping because, again, not an overall good game from Grayson Allen. It's been a bad month. So we'll see if January in the new year, if he can turn it around. Yeah. He also had that weird injury slash illness yeah, slash he sat whatever. Up for a while. He came off the bench for one game. It was – that's a good point. It was, uh, it was an odd time as well for – 
yeah. for Grayson. It's just been a weird month in the NBA. Yeah. December has. Yeah. I mean, maybe seen... Grayson's just, you know what? Maybe Grayson's just, he's just not feeling that great. You know? It could be. It's uh, the NBA has set a new record for number of total players to appear. 541, right? Greg Monroe. Yeah. Greg Monroe. What, like a, a near double double? I want to take a victory lap. He would have been good. I'm fine with Boogie. I think Greg Monroe is just Boogie at home. But would have been good. He looks good. He does look good. Plus, it would have been fun to just get Greg Monroe back. Moose. Just screaming, and one. <laughs> so good. I would have cried at the first and one scream. So he literally, it was the most, a number of players who had ever played in a season before and won when Greg Monroe played. Is just, that not it's poetic? Just perfect. How can it's you not perfect. get emotional about basketball? I don't know. Basketball is a love story. That was good. Yep. That was deep. I, I, don't I know feel like I didn't come up with that. Maybe. I heard it somewhere, but I don't have credit, so I'm sorry. <laughs> that feels bad. I feel bad. Whoever came up with that, I'm sorry. I feel like if, it was a book, was it not? Did. I got to look it up now. Right now? Yeah. We're at the end of the pod, Ty. Come on. It might not even be a quote. It doesn't sound that. Honestly, I ripped mine. I stole mine from Basketball money. Love Story is a 2018 sports documentary film uh, from ESPN Films. So shout out to ESPN. There you go. There's credit. Shout out to Moneyball. That's where – how can you not get romantic about baseball is from Moneyball. Oh, I've never Billy seen Bean it. Billy Bean says that in Moneyball. It's a good movie actually. Okay. I might have to check that out. I have some time for the first time in a while, so that will yeah. be good. Um. Yeah, I think I already said it. I think we've reached the end of this podcast. Um, yeah, right. Do we have anything else to talk about for this team? We kind of went on a. We started with a year in review. We sort of went on a tangent about how this Bucks team is a dynasty in the making. Maybe, uh, maybe potentially showing the right signs. People get very upset if you throw around the D word too early. Dynasty, okay. dynasty. <laughs> D word is dynasty, and they're showing the right signs. <laughs> uh, yeah so uh thank you <laughs> gonna... they're showing the right signs of the d word yep we're gonna we're gonna i don't let's yeah we're done uh thank you for listening to this episode of the eurostep here on the eurostep podcast network and the blue wire podcast network if you did enjoy the show like i mentioned up top leave a five-star rating on both spotify and apple and if you leave a five-star review on apple we'll read it out for you ty we have one to read out we do. We we surpassed 200, which was our Hey, thanks everyone. Thank we you everyone. Thank you all so much. I've been I've been jonesing to read this one. That's why I was trying to rush you through because Packers fan 03 says buckets exclamation point on his five star review. This is why I was excited to read it. Quote. This pod is a must all caps. Listen for any Bucks fan. The best Bucks content you can get. This next sentence doesn't make a ton of sense, but I, I support it. He said, they say, all the hosts are rock solid. I can't pick a favorite. But then in parentheses, mine is Ty. <laughs> uh, Pat to the rafters, exclamation point. So that's a great way to end it. Appreciate that. 
You did uh, pick a good favorite. Job. I don't thank, understand. Thank you. Thank you for the review, Ty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for make, making some more accounts yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, Cooking the books. <laughs> no, but uh, seriously, thank you. Thank you for leaving that review. I know it wasn't you, Ty. Um, if you if you want to pick, apparently I'm polarizing. Uh, according yeah. to a previous review. Well, and I am, uh, uh, I'm off and on. So I, this, this uh, <laughs> Packers fan 03 has mo- must have only seen the on episodes. Oh, there we go. Hey, in my my uh, lens, all of them are on pods. Appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. But uh, yeah, the way you can get these read, leaving a five-star rating on Apple. Unfortunately, Spotify doesn't have a re- review you know system what, yet. You know what? What? Let's Let's just make one. Let's just do it. If you leave a five, if you have always wanted a review read and said, "Erg, I can't because I don't have Apple. If you have Spotify, you leave a five-star rating, which you can do on the app now, screenshot that and send that with an email to EurosteppPod at gmail.com and t- type something you want read. We'll, we'll start reading those two. We, we don't want to favor Apple too much. So we will read your Spotify review, which doesn't exist on Spotify, but it exists in GSPN. Just, you know, obviously it can't be too long or whatever, but some of the Apple ones got pretty long and that was fine. So, but yeah, that'll be good. So I like wanna, it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. There you go. We're innovating here. Yeah. We're creating a review system Get for Spotify. Together, Spotify. Yeah. We'll do I mean, it they for just, you, I guess. They just released the rating system in 2021. Tough. We're piling them up, by the way. We are, I and whoever, whoever, whoever didn't leave a five star review, you Fix still it. haven't changed it. Fix it. Yeah, uh, Adam had some choice words for you on the last episode. You <sighs> went in. Not going to repeat them. No, but uh, you, you don't. You don't want it. You don't want it. So make sure you go change it. But I will but yeah. say, I will say though, to not end that part on a negative. The rest of our tremendous listeners, oh yeah, it's rushed been in, and we were at like four or seven or whatever. We're four nine now. We're the highest decimal besides the straight up five you can be. I'm not, I'm not losing sleep anymore. I, I feel like the rest of the community picked up the slack, and I appreciate that. Yeah, no, the the Eurostep community is absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible. Like we mentioned up top, thank you everyone for a tremendous year. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe on your podcast platform of choice: Substack, gspn.substack.com, YouTube, Eurostep Podcast Network on YouTube. Um, thank you guys. Hope you have a happy new year, however you celebrate. And uh, go Bucks. We'll talk to you next time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.